Uh, kind of how this service works. Uh, this is a service that we walk through right in Scripture, uh, the, uh, through the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus' final uh, moments leading up to the cross and then his time on the cross. And at the end of each reading, uh, we'll have the readers put out one of these candles in front of me, and we have eight different readings uh, that we'll do. So by the end of the night, uh, there'll just be one candle that is still lit. Um, as, uh, of course, this night went on, uh, it's this image that, uh, that light was made dark, uh, but even in the midst of that, there was still this small glimmer of hope that never went out uh, between uh, tonight and Easter, right? So uh, we'll have one candle that will remain lit at the end. Uh, I think you'll find it uh, meaningful. I do ask that we kind of enter into the service prayerfully. Normally, uh, a Sunday morning worship service, we don't really think about this quite often, but the reason we meet on Sunday morning is because we celebrate Easter every week. So every seven days, we're celebrating Easter. That's why Christians meet uh, Sunday morning. So some of these evening services, some of these other times are, have a different feel. There's kind of a different uh, attitude that we meet with, and we will celebrate uh, come Sunday, but today is, uh, is meaningful. It's Uh, intentional. It's a little slower uh, than normal, and I think you'll find it uh, powerful and a a good place to kind of meditate on what uh, Jesus did for each one of us. Uh, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you uh, as we enter into this time that uh, ultimately we thank you for the cross. We thank you for this truth from Romans 5 that that it was not uh, some uh, perfect versions of ourselves that that you died for on the cross, but uh, that it was for our real selves, uh, that it was for this hurting world. It was for the pain that is even uh, within us. Uh, This is a real moment. Uh, This is a real time. Lord, would you fix our minds uh, here tonight? Uh, Lord, it is so easy for for our minds to wander. Uh, It's so easy to just get distracted with the to-do list and everything going on and uh, travels and and maybe family coming into town, family going out of town. Lord, would you keep our minds here? Uh, Would you keep our minds in this place and let us just focus on you uh, in this time ahead? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation.
was leading them, he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him. Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. <clears throat> then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I do not know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. 
and he went outside and wept bitterly. Luke 22:63 through 23:25 The men that were guarding Jesus began mocking him and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, "Prophesy, who hit you?" And they said many other insulting things to him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. 
Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? You have heard it from your own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and to the crowd, I find no basis for charge against this man. But they insisted, he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he heard that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. For what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied with him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them. Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He re released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and sur surrendered Jesus to their will.
Luke 23, verses 26 through 31, the crucifixion of Jesus. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country. 
and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry?
Luke 23, 32 to 43. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 44-49, the death of Jesus. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the woman, women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Lord God, we once again thank you uh, for this evening. Lord, we thank you for even this moment when uh, darkness filled the land, uh, but we know that there was a glimmer of hope. Lord, would you continue to fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. It is finished. It is finished. 
what had begun at the start of Scripture was accomplished at this moment. In Genesis chapter 1, at the creation of the world, there was a beautiful sight. God, in his crowning achievement, humanity lived in perfect harmony. Nothing kept them apart. But by the time we get to chapter 3, everything comes crashing down. Enter Satan, the deceiver, in the form of a serpent. Humanity is convinced to rebel against their God, and they seek to become gods of their own lives, determining good and evil for themselves, being kings of their own lives, no need for God, no need for their Lord. And they turn their back on God, and their rebellion binds them to a new Lord, To a new king of their lives, they are bound to their sin itself. And while humanity is bound to sin, there can never be harmony with God. For God is a holy God, full of righteousness, purity, and love. From this moment on, the story of humanity is one of struggle. It's a story of sin. It's a story of greed. A story of despair and a story of striving. A story of seeking after God one moment, but then just as easily turning their back on him. Sin's razor-sharp talons have dug deep. They think they're free but really they're stuck. Humanity has been chained to their sin, and no matter how they struggle, they cannot break free. But God does not write them off. God loves his creation and desires to fix this broken relationship himself. God begins to move. Adam and Eve are told of one who will come, who will crush the head of the snake. Abraham and Sarah are told of one of their descendants who will be a blessing to all nations. King David is told that his offspring will sit on the throne forever. And the prophets tell of a suffering servant who is to come, one who will bring healing, one who will proclaim good news to the poor, but one who will be betrayed and will provide atonement for the sins of many. And Jesus enters into a world to fulfill these promises. Jesus, the highest king, but born in a lowly manger. Jesus, the one who gathered others around himself himself from all corners of society to be a new people. Jesus, the one who performs countless miracles with power and with authority. 
Jesus who did not come for the healthy, but for the sick. Jesus, the Son of God, fully human and fully God. Jesus, the one who, unlike Adam and Eve, resists his temptation in the wilderness. Jesus, the promised descendant of Abraham and Sarah, who truly will be a blessing to all nations. The true king, the true prophet, the one who entered Jerusalem just a few days ago on a carpet of palm branches to the shouts of Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. But what the crowds did not know is that he was not entering Jerusalem as a conquering king, but as a Passover lamb. He was betrayed. He was arrested. He was put on trial. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was stripped of his outer clothing. And he was abandoned by his closest friends. Right now, it is Good Friday. Right now, he is on the cross. Right now he is suffering, but at its completion he will say it is finished. Satan is finished. The deceiver is finished. The talons of sin have been broken. The chains of sin have been shattered. It is finished. Humanity has been restored, free to be a new people no longer tied to the sin that has separated them from a holy God, but free to enter into a right relationship with him. A relationship that will last forever. It is finished.
Luke 23, 50 through 56. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their demands and actions. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut from the rock, one which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. In just a moment, we'll end the service. Uh, but I do want to invite you to uh, remain in this space, if you would wish. Uh, ask that all of us just keep this space as uh, a reflective space, a prayerful space, and that we could keep conversation to uh, the foyer or, or outside. Um, now receive your benediction. As you go, may you go in peace. May Jesus Christ, who for our sake became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, keep you and strengthen you this night and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>